Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Matt Ho, former Marine and State Department official, joins us in a moment on the effects of propaganda on war. But first this. There's an organization that still backs Obamacare, gun control, and extreme transgender policies that endanger our kids. They claim to be bipartisan. But last year, 95% of their donations went to the Democrats. AARP does not represent the values of conservative American seniors. Fortunately, there's a conservative alternative, AMAC. The Association of Mature American Citizens proudly champions Americans' rights to free speech, religious liberty, and the Second Amendment. AMAC defends parents' rights to protect their children and is fighting to restore America's election integrity. With more than 2 million members nationwide, AMAC is proudly pro-family, pro-faith, and pro-freedom. I'm proud to endorse AMAC, and I encourage you to join today. Let's send AARP a strong message that they don't represent conservative American seniors. Join AMAC today at amac.us forward slash judge. That's amac.us forward slash j-u-d-g-e. Matt, welcome back to the show. Uh, your time, of course, is so much uh, appreciated. Uh, you and I have talked in the past that um, at the time we had this conversation, Ukraine was the most propagandized war in the modern era. I think you might be of a different view now after the uh, unfortunate uh, events in Israel. But big picture, how does propaganda extend and expand war? Well, thanks for having me back on, Judge. And yeah, that was just probably three, four weeks ago we had that conversation. Right, about, right. right. I mean, it really was. I mean, and uh, the certainty of what we said was not in doubt then. But now seeing this and the uh, the way that both whether it's legacy establishment media or social media or just all the tropes, all the cultural aspects of this, including race, uh, have emerged to just dominate the discussion and the way that uh, the political and media establishment in the U.S. is in near uh, 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 total agreement 
on the need for Israel to go forward and conduct this ethnic cleansing campaign in Israel is astounding. And as someone who took part in the Iraq and Afghan wars, uh, you know, looking back, I don't see any degree of political uh, uh, unity in, say, the Congress for American military action, except for in the days following 9-11 and except for in 1964 during the Tonkin Gulf resolution. And at least in, in those cases, there was dissent in Tonkin Gulf. You had two senators who voted against, who were against the resolution. You just had a resolution in the U.S. Senate where no one was in favor of a ceasefire. No one was speaking up for the Palestinians. Everyone was willing in the U.S. Senate to give Israel whatever it needs to do whatever it wants, including commit war crimes. And I mean, this so this type of, of totality of, of uh, opinion that masquerades as fact and again, uncertainty um, is, is just dominating. And but is, the, is the Congress is the Congress the target or the cause of the propaganda? In other I, words, I, are members of Congress wanting to curry favorites with the military-industrial complex, with the voters in their districts who are employed by the military-industrial uh, complex, with foreign leaders? Are they the cause of the propaganda, or is the propaganda aimed at them? I think it's so well-established, this propaganda industry, right, that uh, to, to to pull it apart, to find out where it begins will require a heck of a lot of work, right? I mean, like, it, it the, the reality is, is that it works always in all directions because that's the way it's designed. It, it's meant to ensure that there is a pressure put on members of Congress that they then t- turn around and put on their constituents. And then that becomes a self-reinforcing loop. Uh, you, you see it though, but but the thing about it is even with all this propaganda, even with say today, when you had these two uh, uh, women released by Hamas and right. uh, the, the one lady, uh, the older lady, uh, 85 years old, I mean, uh, crime, I mean, the, the, the kidnapping and everything else, disgusting. But then when she's released, though, she says how the kidnappers were kind, all their needs were met, they were being taken care of well. And CNN describes what she says as Hamas talking points. I mean, so the idea is that if you step out of line, if you deviate, even people who are there, who are the ones experiencing this, who are the victims of this, are not allowed to speak their truths without being demeaned. And so the idea that somehow if a a former captive cannot speak her truth, then what can I say? What can you say? What can our members of Congress say? But the important thing is, is even with all this propaganda, the American public is not on board. We saw some really interesting polling last week that shows that the majority of Americans want a ceasefire. Majority of Americans want humanitarian aid to both Israel and Palestine. And the majority of Americans say, do not send weapons to Israel. So even with, again, the greatest propaganda theater we've ever seen, the American people see through it. And this may have, this I think is the one chance that we might see for the United States to possibly rein Israel in because they're not going to rein Israel in because Israel's conducting ethnic cleansing. They're not going to rein Israel in because there's a fear of this uh, spreading into a larger regional war that could become a world war. They may rein Israel in because this may have an effect on Joe Biden's presidency. 80% of Democrats want a ceasefire. You 
do that, you look at that, you run the math, and you realize that quite possibly that could lead to millions of Democrats staying home and not voting for Joe Biden next year. Just- uh, man, I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, Joe Biden wants to run for re-election as a wartime president because it takes the American public's eye off the ball of a horrific domestic policy, uh, which has brought about r- ruination. Uh, he wants to be like FDR. Don't change horses in the middle of a stream. If you remember from history, that famous line that he used in 1940 and in 1944, Joe uh, Biden believes because of it, his advisors have told him that Americans will not kick out uh, a wartime president. Of course, uh, LBJ, uh, thankfully, did not seek uh, another term in 1968, uh, if you uh, recall that. What, what do you think is the goal of American involvement? I mean, Joe Biden has sent an armada of ships, if you add those he sent to the Eastern Mediterranean and those he sent to the Persian Gulf. Uh, there are 2,000 Marines and there are special forces on the ground. What are special forces supposed to do? Is this another Jimmy Carter? Let's extract the uh, hostages. Is this a, well, you guys show us how to conduct um, uh, urban warfare? What are they doing there? Well, the special forces and the CIA uh, guys, well, they have a lot of relevant experience. They, they, they did a lot of capture kill missions over the last 20 years. They have a lot of experience also in Ukraine as well, running operations against the Russians. So their experience is very relevant. But also importantly, when you have them there in Israel and they need something, they'll get it. So rather than the Israelis having to, ask, having to ask the Americans for satellite imagery or, or something like that, say, you now have an American general or American special operations colonel or an American CIA officer reaching back and saying, hey, we need this. And they get it right away. So the, what this does is it enables the Israelis to conduct their ethnic cleansing, to, to begin this campaign to clear Gaza. Uh, as well as uh, all the support that goes into the bombing campaign. Certainly the bombs are coming from the U.S. The planes came from the U.S. It's all subsidized by American taxpayer money. And in a diplomatic effort, such as last week, uh, the United States being the lone nation to vote against a ceasefire. I mean, none of this is possible without the United States' support. And so all of us as Americans are directly involved in this campaign of ethnic cleansing. How dangerous for Israeli uh, soldiers and for American soldiers is urban warfare. I've said this before. I don't think you and I have discussed it. On Saturday morning's New York Times, I was looking at it at breakfast. The front page of the Times showed uh, four reservists uh, in military uniform, young men, young, in their early to mid-20s, training for urban warfare. And I thought, two weeks ago, these guys were accountants and school teachers. Two weeks from now, they'll be dead. Hmm. How dangerous is urban warfare for these people, for a, for a military that's two-third reservist, and for Americans that don't know Gaza at all? It's extremely dangerous. It's, it's, it's very difficult, particularly once you rubble the place. And I think the Israelis, you know, from objective, trying to be objective about this right now, from the Israeli perspective, whether to rubble Gaza or not to rubble, 
you know, it, it rubbling, destroying the entire city. You're setting your, your troops down into something that is completely disjointed. Every few feet, there's a major obstacle you have to clear. Uh, all your lines of sight are now completely cut. There's nothing you can count on in terms of the urban geography because everything has been upended, destroyed, uh, knocked down, crumbled. Uh, but then again, if you don't do that, you're allowing the enemy, Hamas in this case, to, uh, to keep its deliberate defense. And this is a defense that Hamas has been building and expanding upon for 15 years. Right. So, I mean, they, they have a damned if they do, damned if they don't. The only thing you can do is not go in, which is what I would urge them not to do. But the idea that this may be a trap, that this is what we, we know. Anyone with a head in their shoulders knew that this was going to be the Israeli response. They talked about this for years, that we have to go in and finish the problem in Gaza. And here's their opportunity to do so, let alone Israeli doctrine of, of their punitive retaliation against uh, the Palestinians whenever there is attack against them or their against the Israeli people or Israeli military forces is also very clear. So an operation like Hamas launched on October 7th was always going to bring about this Israeli response. So is Hamas prepared for this? And is, is, is Israel walking into a trap? Is this Hamas's chance to try and get Israel into an ugly bloody, brutal, urban conflict that humiliates Israel, forces them to evacuate Gaza like they had to evacuate Lebanon. I mean, that is that what's motivating them as well as I think Hamas wants to destroy the larger geopolitical scene, right? You're not going to do this Abraham Accords. You're not going to have normalization of, with Saudi Arabia without us being involved. You can't ignore us. And so, you know, the madness of what the two sides want here is, is really intense. And of course, the suffering that comes from it and where this may then spin off to, you know, the idea that either one of these sides can control the course of this war, that it's like as right. if there's a dial or a lever they can adjust it with. I mean, this war, as someone who was in Iraq, someone who's in Afghanistan, the guys who are in Vietnam, the guys in World War II, they will all tell you that, that nothing about this makes this war exceptional. There's no reason to think that this war is going to somehow be manageable by human minds, whether it be in Tel Aviv or whether it be in Gaza. Here's uh, Secretary Austin. This is Austin uh, too, Chris, talking about uh, the dangers of a ground war. He begins by mentioning his own experience uh, as a general in Iraq and then segues into uh, the dangers that the Israelis would face and Americans, if they are there, would face. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This may be a bit more difficult because of the underground network of tunnels that the uh, uh, that Hamas has constructed over time, and the fact that they've had 
a long time to uh, to prepare for a fight. So I think uh, you'll see a fight that's characterized by a lot of IEDs, a lot of booby traps, uh, and just uh, really grinding activity uh, going forward. Now, what one of the things that we learned is how to account for civilians in the battle space. And uh, they are a part of the battle space, and we, uh, in accordance with the law of war, you, you, we got to do what, what's necessary to protect those civilians. And as I've talked to Minister Gallant and others, uh, I've encouraged them to uh, conduct their operations in, in accordance with the law of war. Does uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and does Defense Minister Gallant share that attitude about the moral and legal obligation to avoid collateral damage and protect civilians in Gaza. No, they don't. They don't. And in this this past few days, Israel has been dropping leaflets over the northern part of Gaza, saying the part of Gaza that they told the Palestinians to evacuate from. And then they bomb them as they are evacuating, and they're continuing to bomb them in the south where they told them to go to. So you just see the disingenuous nature of all this. But the leaflets being dropped are saying, if you are here, you will be considered a part of the terrorist organization, basically covering themselves for for adopting a kill anything that moves policy, which likely will be what they do. This idea of going into the tunnels that that uh, Secretary Austin brought up. Look, right. when I was in Iraq, I had to go into a couple of basement-like structures they were, uh, where we were. They didn't realize, but it was underground basically, and that was terrifying. And that was like a basement, you know. So the idea of having to go into these tunnels, and I would imagine what they will do is they will try and clear the tunnels as they move through, possibly using explosive, possibly using some type of fuel air explosive type device to try and just burn out the Palestinians rather than try and fight them inside those inside those tunnels, because that would just be a horror show, an absolute horror show. But, you know, this what Secretary Austin is there as he postures and as he gaslights and he's, as he lies, you know, this is the same man who has said repeatedly when asked about the weapons being sent there, the weapons coming from his military, that there are no conditions being placed on these weapons. And if any of you had the, anyone watching had the extreme misfortune as I did to watch the, the, spectacle that Tony Blinken put on at the United Nations today. I've never seen, or it's hard, I'm trying to remember something more disconnected from reality being said in a space, like as in Blinken was talking. What, what did he say, Matt? Oh, well, he, he first, he starts off by saying how, uh, asking where is the condemnation for Hamas? When everybody has bent over backwards condemning Hamas, and rightfully, what occurred on October 7th was, was horrific. But I mean, that whole type of commitment to uh, international uh, rules of law, commitment to uh, avoiding civilian casualties, just like just like uh, Secretary Austin was saying, these expressions are complete uh, fabrications. This is, uh, you know, a a Cheshire Cheshire cat type of of, you know, they're smiling as they're, you know, as they're peeing on your leg. This is, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the disgust, and now I'm having problems bringing, you know, talking about this because it is so enraging to be lied to like this while you see thousands upon thousands being murdered. You know, th- this notion that we are for humanitarian aid as 130 uh, premature babies lay in incubators in Gaza waiting for the power to be turned off in two days. I mean, this type of, 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 of nightmare that is being uh, uh, p- 
put upon the Palestinian people for which we are directly involved. And then to have our leaders say that they care so much about human rights, international law, the rules of warfare, how they expect the Israelis to behave themselves as they send tens of billions or get ready to send tens of billions of more weapons to the Israelis. I mean, it's just maddening. It's excruciating and it's disgusting. Here's um, Admiral Kirby. Uh, this is um, cut two, Chris, Kirby two, about conversations the American uh, government is having with the Israeli government. You've been asking tough questions about of the Israelis about their strategy here. Are you liking the answers that they're giving you? No, I'm not going to talk about the details of the conversations that we're having. Uh, again, these have been clear and consistent conversations. Um, again, making sure that they have what they need um, and that they and that they are thinking through. Uh, that we are asking them what their answers are to the kinds of questions that any military ought to be asking itself. That is just. Sounds like an airhead. That is just vapid and meaningless. We'll play another one for you where he does acknowledge we're sending advisors. Right. Aids of Vietnam terminology. Kirby cut one, Chris. A few um, relevant military officers with experience, the kinds of experience that uh, that uh, that we believe uh, um, is, is appropriate to uh, the sorts of operations that, that Israel is conducting and may conduct in the future, uh, to go over there to share some perspectives from their own experience and to ask the hard questions, the same hard questions that we've been asking of our Israeli counterparts since the beginning. Now, translate, uh, Matt, what he just said. Who and what rank and are they in uniform and are they armed and what will they do? Well, there's a three-star Marine general, but there also be... Uh, and there will be some conventional forces, uh, Air Force, Navy representatives, uh, Army, Marine Corps representatives, and then, of course, the Special Operations Forces and CIA uh, teams that are over the weekend. The White House made a major gaffe by publishing a photo of Joe Biden with members of, of a Delta Force team uh, that were that was in Israel. Uh, well, so Delta Force is supposed to have their faces uh, disguised, right? Correct. Correct. Exactly. And so, I mean, their, their role there is to advise and then to pull in those resources. But what advice are they given? These are the men that oversaw the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Why? Who would say, yes, you are the ones I want to take advice from. You guys mm -hmm. did a bang up job there. And then these are also the men in, in who oversaw uh, the way they handled, say, the Islamic State, where we can get into the whole discussion of how that was an American creation because of the invasion of Iraq and then the civil war in Syria. But what they oversaw was the devastation, the complete leveling of nearly every city in Western Iraq and Northern Iraq, including Mosul, as well as in, in Eastern Syria, including Raqqa, because that was how they felt or was the only way that they could deal with the problem that they created uh, when ISIS took all those territories, all those parts of Iraq and Syria, because again, ISIS comes out of both the Iraq war and the Syrian war, which have their genesis in American foreign policy and American decisions. So you're going to take advice from these people. But I want—I did want to bring one thing up because the Guardian was talking about this today. The Guardian reported this, that the uh, Americans are not just talking with the Israelis, of course, and of saying, whatever you need, we'll give you, but saying to the Egyptians, open the southern border, because Egypt, of course, borders the southern part right. of Gaza. Well, and, open the southern border for humanitarian aid. Well, uh, and But more specifically, in this case, to let the, the Palestinians out. 
Correct. Correct. So Correct. let the Palestinians out and basically become a partner in Israel's ethnic cleansing campaign. And a Guardian is saying that the Americans are offering financial incentives, economic bribes for them to take part in this. And I can tell you as someone who has seen this, because I, I worked with the Dutch after I left Afghanistan in 2009, resigned in protest, I ended up working with the Dutch uh, intelligence services a bit because they were getting out of Afghanistan. And the Americans were saying to the Dutch, if you get out of Afghanistan, if you stop having your young men and women go to Afghanistan and die in this unwinnable and counterproductive war, we are going to, we are going to, you are going to have consequences, including we will not send our ships to Rotterdam port anymore. So I guarantee mm. that Egypt is not only being enticed with economic bribes, but they are also being threatened that if you do not take part in this ethnic cleansing campaign by opening up your gates and letting the Palestinians out, then you will pay a penalty. You won't pay a penalty for, bi for bribing and controlling an American senator. You won't pay a penalty for massacring thousands of your civilians, for having thousands of political prisoners, for, for jailing journalists and human rights workers, on and on and on. But if you don't take part in this ethnic cleansing campaign, then there will be a penalty. And that's 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 American diplomacy. That that's what we're that's what we as Americans are. I mean, that that is over. that is a bull in a china shop. Yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, last uh, last question: uh, Urban warfare. How long can it last? I mean, Gaza's the size of uh, of Manhattan, maybe a little bit bigger. How long can urban warfare last? As long as the Hamas will will hold out, or as long as the Israelis keep sending people in there to be slaughtered? As long as Hamas can hold out uh, 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 and the thing will be the political will of Israel and how they choose to pursue this. You have to imagine that Hamas is stockpiled to fight for a year, at least. It, it took the Iraqis nine months to take Mosul. Uh, and that was with the full backing of the American Air Force, the American Navy, the American Special Operations Command, you know, et cetera. Uh, so this idea that this will only take a week or two. Uh, certainly, there, I don't see any guidance in history uh, that an urban battle like what we're potentially seeing in Gaza, where the where Hamas is prepared to fight to the death, where this is all of history has led to the point for their young men. They have seen their families victimized by Israel. They've been humiliated by Israel. Many of them have uh, family who have been killed by Israel. Uh, this, you know, history leads to this point for those young men. And so the idea that Israel is going to come in and scare them and chase them away and they're going to surrender, I, I just don't, that's not possible. So I think it will come down to the political will of Israel, whether they want to go through with a campaign of, of, of urban warfare that will last possibly for months. And then what do you get out of it? What are you going to do? You're going to occupy Gaza? You're going to you're going to garrison it with thirty thousand Israeli troops. You're going to imprison a, all the military aged males. What are you going to do? Here's a clip. I I think it's an Israeli a general or an Israeli spokesperson on how long guerrilla warfare in Gaza uh, cut uh, eight. Uh, Chris, the old one of the most densest places on earth, and you have Gaza on the surface. You also have Gaza of the subterranean. Hamas claims to have built a 300-mile hidden network, training videos showing fighters emerging from holes in the ground to launch attacks. In 2014, we were shown a tunnel dug by the group that led all the way to the Israeli side. Many of the nearly 200 hostages are believed to be held in this underground maze, complicating further an all-out assault. 
previous ground incursions, like in 2014, saw Israeli forces invade and withdraw within a matter of weeks. This is likely to last much longer. Is that even possible? Two years, three years, five years, doesn't matter. We are going to protect our civilians. Two years, three years, five years. That's a long time for urban warfare uh, to go on. I suppose it depends upon uh, Hamas's resistance and Israeli uh, determination. And the Israelis are enraged that what Hamas did is understandable. It depends on whether that rage dissipates into uh, an, another way to approach this. Yeah, and we have to remember that Hamas has experience coming out of Syria, and they are now, their relationship following that civil war has been reestablished with Iran and with Hezbollah. And so their, uh, their experience, their knowledge uh, right. is quite good. These are not, they, even though they are in that open air prison, they do have uh, a, 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 a recent history of warfare that is going to uh, really enable them. And a lot of people, you go back and you look at that 2014 incursion, uh, the way Hamas responded, the way they their, their command and control, their operational maneuver of their brigades surprised a lot of people. This is not a disjointed group of, of guys with RPKs and RPGs and AK-47s who are just going to fire from windows as Israelis advance. This is, the Israelis are going into something that, again, the Gazans, Hamas, have prepared for 15 years. And they have relevant recent experience and they have... Again, this history of their young men who are going to be doing the fighting motivated by Israeli uh, action against their families. Uh, so what Israel is walking into, my God, I mean, and, and I do now, as I, you know, obviously I'm not neutral about this. I think my bias probably shows, but also too, my thoughts are with those young Israeli men and women who would be going into this, that horror. And I don't want to see anyone go through this. And, and, and so, you know, certainly, uh, uh the idea of what we may be talking about in a month or two or three or a year from now, Judge, good God. I mean, one of the things people need to understand, too, is that right now the Israelis are on pace to kill and wound as many uh, Palestinians as the Russians kill have killed and wounded Ukrainian civilians in 20 months. So in wow. 20 months, uh, Russia has killed about as many uh, Palestinian civilians, uh, Ukrainian civilians as Israel is on pace to do in one month. Wow. Matt, thank you very much for your time. As gloomy as this is, the insight is so appreciated by the audience and, and by me. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week. All right. Thanks, Judge. Thank you. Uh, coming up at 3 o'clock Eastern, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Karen uh, Kwiatkowski on the similar subjects that we just discussed uh, with Matt Ho. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.